Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 397, and today we'll be talking about Escape of the Palisman from the Owl House. I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. Rip to Alex Hirsch's voice. So, the Bat Queen is back, baby! Yes, uh, whoever designed this character is a comedic genius, because she is so funny. Oh, did you like how uh, Luz insults her, but she likes it? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, that could have gone worse. Yeah. Uh, I love the Owl Lady. The, not the Owl Lady. Oh my god. I mean, everyone loves the Owl Lady. The Bat Queen. I think she's super funny and super cool, and very much enjoy any time that she's on screen. I thought the bit at the end, uh, where she fed her babies the book was quite nice. Yes. They they always just hit you with really good jokes that always catch me unawares, and I love them. And uh, the the way it started out with, no, you must do trials! And then at the very end, you know, after it's all done, Luz is like, okay, I did your chores. <laughs> even, even Luz knows. I mean, that's just how things are done on the Boiling Isles. You do trials. That's what you call them. Like, if you were at a job interview and you had to answer pre-job interview questions, they would call it a trial. They're just extra like that. I can see that. But yeah, this... <laughs> I love the little background jokes that they have in this. Like, at the very beginning, where they have, uh... The Slayground? The Slayground. Funded by Bonesboro Departments of Parks and Rec. <laughs> W-R-E-C-K, yes. It's so Boiling Isles. Yeah, all bloodthirsty monsters, monsters must be leashed. Which Ida runs afoul of later. Uh, technically, she wasn't bloodthirsty. She was more furniture hungry. Inanimate. <laughs> the girl's craving some iron. Yeah, even to the point where the little stick figures have elf ears. That's very good. Just, just a shout out to the demon hunters. Look, this job is all we have right now. So I want to see happy faces. <laughs> this guy's a pretty good boss. I would not mind working for him, actually. Yeah. Except when he loses the animals that you captured. I mean, that that wasn't really his fault. Like, the, the animal he captured turned out to be the most powerful witch on the Isles. So, that's that's not on him. Something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I also like how, you know, early in the show there wasn't really, like, a cohesive plot or goal. It was just sort of like, loses on the Isles and she's having a good time instead of going to summer camp. But here they put little sprinklings of, like, future lore, where they were putting, you know, Ida's curse, that it was going to develop and change, and that it wasn't going to essentially get worse before it gets better. And then random foreshadowing, which has yet to pay off, of who the Bat Queen's original, who she was a palisman for. And I say it was for the Titan. Because thousands of years, Titan. Calling it. The only way it could be the Titan, though? is if she either used to be much bigger, or if the Titan used to be much smaller. Cartoon size discrepancy, come on. Now, we did see in this episode a child giant who would be too small for the Bat Queen, but I can imagine there being even larger giant varieties that uh, she could fit on, and I'm very curious that he only was in this episode, as far as I can remember. I don't remember seeing him in another episode. Maybe his parent, or parents. Or ancestors. I mean, it would have to be a king situation where there's a lot of growth into adulthood. I mean, King's dad, spoilers, isn't that big. But he is 
far larger than King. Yeah, and so are babies not as large as the adult version. Yeah, but King King is like a baby compared to him, not like uh, not like an eight year old compared to him. So there's uh, they definitely scale way up. King hasn't grown much since he hatched. Which also makes it way funnier that he's on the playground. Like, these children are preschoolers, and he is in what would be the equivalent of the third or fourth grade. And so, even though he's the same size... But yet, the snot kid, great character design, by the way, because that is genuinely what it feels like (laughs) to be around small children. The snot kid who was, like, genuinely just being a good friend until at the end he wanted to play with King's game. I suppose, or maybe he was just that into it. He he got into the game pretty well. King taught him how to play very well. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed a lot about this episode because you know you think oh it's just filler episode, but they put they put the seeds in, you know. And so many people complain about fillers in like the shows that have been airing in the past decade, and there's been a decrease in world building quote filler episodes, which I'm really sad about because they're such a fundamental part of establishing a investment in a story. If you just go plot, 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 and get through a show as fast as possible, you know, we used to get 22-episode seasons, and now we're, like, 12-episode seasons. And I'm talking about, like, the grainer scheme of basically all shows that are currently airing. And it just makes me sad. I would not have minded if the Owl House had just stayed like this forever. Just, oh, hey, Luz is having some fun adventures. Like, this is the pre-Hexide season. This is the Hexide season. This is the season where she transfers over to Glandis. You know, if they'd just done that, like, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I I love these characters in this world enough to really not be that offended or disappointed if they didn't, like, do heavy plot stakes and all that sort of stuff. You know, I've, I've said this over and over, but, you know, I do not like it when all these people are like, Oh, you know, what are the what are the filler episodes of Steven Universe that I can skip? I just want to get the plot arc. It's like, oh, you are- The only ones you're allowed to skip are the Ronaldo episodes and that weird crossover with Uncle Grandpa. Everything else you have to watch or you're not a real fan. Rocknaldo is crucial viewing because Ronaldo understands at the end. He understands. He has an epiphany. And it's very important for his character development that he has that epiphany. I don't know, it's been half a decade since I've, like, watched a Ronaldo episode, so maybe my attitude towards him will be different. Yeah, you probably won't like him much anyway. (laughs) I don't know, I just went to high school with so many guys who were like that, and I found them insufferable. And to just see him on screen is, like, such a personal attack on me, personally, that I cannot stand to watch him. It it takes me back and it reminds me, and I don't want to be there. Flashback to the time I was in high school recording this podcast, Jesus Christ. But yeah, this episode is very cute, very great. I like the A and B plots, how they keep it pretty simple. I like the throwbacks to previous background characters. I like the world building where it's like so bizarrely benign, if that makes sense. Like, it's weird and it's boring. Oh, I'm stepping on some crunchy twigs. Oh, those are, those are bones, Willow. Not if I don't look down. Well, that was funny. I'm talking more about how they had a playground that was paid for by a Parks and Rec. They have rules and laws. They have bureaucracy. They have animal control wearing reflective vests. Very good touch. I loved having them with their high-vis. Very good. Very OSHA. If they don't make a Boiling Isles OSHA joke at some point during this show, I'm going to be gravely disappointed. Now you have me wanting an Ocean Town joke. Ocean Town joke was very specific to Steven Universe. I feel like this yeah. show could really use 
a Boiling Isles OSHA. Hmm. A BOSHA, if you will. <laughs> but, no, no, what... I, I liked the... Uh, it, it, they're messing with me, is what they're doing. With the whole, <laughs> oh, you know, you know, you're walking around there in those Glandis colors, Luz, and then you look at the Hexide versus Glandis, and it's like the most minute difference in the shade of blue. And it's like, I swear, Luz's hoodie is normally the shade of blue that's on the Hexide jersey, but for that scene, she's wearing it in the more faded, purpley Glandis shade. I feel like it's always been pretty purpley. Okay, okay. I don't know. I'm thinking of uh, the, the darker shot. And it's a uh, much, you know, obviously much bluer because it's a darker shot. So, yeah, with Luce's little hoodie shirt, it always has it always had that little like kind of tinge of purple into it. Plus, the yellow being by the blue does kind of change the perception of the color. No, in the in the Hexide versus Glandis poster, he's wearing they're both wearing blue on top of white. I know, which was very funny. Yeah. And then she got, no, I liked when she goes into the lost and found bin and all she finds, she finds a simple little hat that says Hexide on it. And she's like, yeah, or this, she, she's like, this is it. And then she leaves and she has everything Hexide except for that hat. Really? Yeah. She is not wearing the hat. The hat says Hexide and the one she comes out in is just blue. That's right. That's right. Well, because it was going to match her current shirt, but then she found another shirt and realized it wasn't going to match. So. Pretty thoroughly into outfit and color design. She could have just gone to the Grudgeby game if she hadn't been OCD about having to have this huge outfit. She could have just had the Hexide hat and been done with it, but no. Very brave of her also to dig through a lost and found bin full of retainers with just her bare hands. I mean, we don't know that there were any mouth guards in there. She said that before she opened the bin. Do Boiling Isles magically heal their teeth? They do have a healing coven, so... Yeah, but then it would just be magical mouth guards. Because they have a, mm. quite a diversity of mouth and teeth shapes in this school. It must be so easy to be a doctor for witches versus a doctor for demons. Because with witches, they're all kind of, you know, the same general shape and size. You're just drawing a circle in the air with your finger either way, so I don't think it's that much of a challenge. To fix messed up teeth or to heal somebody um, e- either way i mean whatever serves the plot you know if, it, if a doctor cannot figure out how to work with a different set of teeth and it's as a funny joke then it's going to be put in and besides there's always the potions coven yeah potion of straighten your teeth are there any characters in the show with braces uh no gus is mystified by braces so they must not exist on the boiling isles mystified by braces when did that happen the when Gus is first introduced, he's reading out a fact about braces to Willow from a oh. human magazine. Okay, okay. So he he understands braces as barbed wire. I mean, that's not far off. Having worn braces for a considerable amount of my adolescence, it do feel like that sometimes. So, do any kids out there thinking about getting braces? It sucks. Uh, my teeth still aren't straight. That's because I never wore my retainer. Um. And that's the problem. Must be user error. (laughs) Screw retainers. I have to take that off every time I eat. And if I take it off for too long, it won't fit anymore. That is absolute bogus. That is not happening. Not in a million years is that happening. 
You just have to wear it during the day for like a year. After that, it's just a nighttime A thing. year? GC, I was in the fifth grade. I threw that thing in the trash can by accident four times in my first week. Why did they give you braces so early? Because I had messed up teeth. It was my two front teeth, which were some of the first two adult teeth to come in. And they came in one in front of the other. Wow, okay. Like, totally overlapped. Like, my, I think it was my left front tooth could fit behind the teeth on my bottom jaw. Good grief. Yeah, I had no trouble with it in high school, so. Yeah, I had braces very early. Speaking about uh, the battle with the Bat Queen, by the way, just bringing that one up. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking how lucky Gus was that he was not trapped upside down. For very long? Yeah, people have died. That will kill you. <laughs> like, that. every time I see that scene, I'm, like, expecting Gus to say, Okay, if you just do me right side up, please, I promise to stop breaking out. But no, he just silently takes it and Luz breaks him out a few, just, uh, just a minute later. Thank goodness. Yeah, no, there, people have died from being trapped upside down. Like, it will kill you. <laughs> Very horribly, might I add. So, very fortunate that he was only there, because I saw him trapped upside down, and I was like, uh-oh. But then they got him loose a few minutes later. Yeah, but Lou's not back in dead. Do you think that the Bat Queen had, like, forgotten that she was a palisman, or, like, let it slip back in her mind? Obviously, the memories were still there for her to recall, but when she looked shocked when Luz said, you used to be a palisman, didn't you? Was that, like, Luz has figured this out, or... Oh, she's right, I was. I mean, she's very much not a palisman anymore. She had babies. <laughs> yeah, that brings up a whole set of questions. And is like an actual bona fide demon, so obviously, like, disconnected from your staff, you just start to become your own little creature. Or in her case, not little. But you still have the interlock. Yeah, maybe it's like a cool tattoo. Maybe she's grown over the years. She did say she was a palisman for a giant. Yeah, but like, again, the, think of the size of the giant who called Luz a glandus nerd. Uh, she might be a little bigger than she used to be. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't grow, but her babies will. Or maybe they'll just be little babies forever. That sounds nightmarish, considering the kind of babies we're talking about here. <laughs> Eternal babies. I like how they're also harmless. Like, they were attacking Gus and... And the, the worst he got was never being clean again, and a little traumatized, just like you would be from watching a Grudge Bee match. They, ha they have Grudge Bee played later in the show, right? Like, that's not the last yeah, yeah, of like, Grudge Bee. There's we, more Grudge Bee. We watch a Grudge Bee match. Okay. They, yeah, they have two confirmed sports in this show. Three if you count the rat worm racing. And the weird uh, teen coming-of-age ritual. I could consider that a spectator sport. Perhaps. Uh, maybe it's banned. That's why the uh, the racetrack is in disarray. Um, disrepair. I don't even know that that's an official racetrack. It's just, this is a dangerous course that we can use. <laughs> just a random little path going through the main city. What's it called? Dead Man's Drop? I don't know. Or Dead Man's Something. Probably. Luz really did make a tactical error, though, with Albert, telling him to step on it. Like, you would think it would be, okay, Albert, uh, gentle now, like, let's save the speed for when we're above the, the crash line, anything we can crash into. So yeah, was that Luz steering him into the trees, or was he steering into the trees? I think he takes guidance from her 
on where he's supposed to go, you know, like a horse with reins, like he could overrule it, but he's just as not horses regularly used do. to. Yeah, people who think riding horses is the horse just does whatever you want whenever is that is not true. I, I, I assume there's there's some level of give and take on how much instruction he takes from his rider, and mm-hmm. I think that I think that if he were to give Luz another ride, he would be much more in control of where he's going. <laughs> he's like, mm, I'll handle this. Because he, he hasn't had a non-expert riding him, like, for a long time. So yeah. he's just used to doing going exactly where Ida wants. Yeah. They have a shot in the show where they're showing all these abandoned and damaged palacemen. Yeah, they're all seriously damaged. Right. So are you telling me that Albert's big cut on his head, that crack, was just healed with a band-aid and that was fine? It wasn't! It wasn't just a band-aid. He joined a club. Joining the club healed Hootie. You didn't see any scratches on the door the next episode. Club membership works wonders for you. Forget the healing... No, forget the healing coven. It was being in the Boo Boo Buddies coven. They should sell t-shirts for that. Boo Boo Buddies coven. See, I'm kind of sad that the palacins in that shot weren't the ones who were then going to be up for adoption later in the show. I don't know. I kind of like Clover. True, the ones that we did get are very cool. However, there's like a cool, weird, horned blue jay that's really sick. I see, I was looking at the monkey. Yeah, there's a two-headed monkey, there's like a snake with the interlock on its head, on the top of its head, so that would be interesting to see it on a staff. Yeah, they did a lot of interesting designs, uh, only to never reuse them. Yeah. Fascinating. Shame. There's a frog with the face of a man. Oh, oh, that's giving me flashbacks to Grom. We'll get there. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, coming up, coming up. It's, yeah, one, two, three episodes away. Oh, is that it? Yeah, wow. this is Sense Insensitivity is the 11th, and then Grom yeah. is the 16th. Oh, it is not in order on this display. Okay, never mind. Five episodes. It'll be a little while. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Escape of the Palisman. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm Soren. Leave us a comment. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 